I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. All right, everybody. Welcome aboard another adventure with Lieutenant Joe here on Chasing Justice on the America Out Loud Radio Network. Right, so my pages of outrages that I have over here are quite filled today. And, and I'm looking at you know, some things about, you know, the president, uh, ex-president Trump, former president Trump, DeSantis, uh, the, the, the primaries coming up, the elections coming up. All right. Uh, some of the high court cases are going on. But th- there's other things that we need to look at. We need to look at the, the ongoing nonsense of our friends in the Republican Party. They are doing, they're doing it again. All right, so what do we got? Mike Johnson, new speaker of the house, very conservative guy, religious man, family man, good guy. And we see that he comes across a deal with Chuck Schumer on the budget, $1.59 trillion in uh, spending, which is basically the deal that McCarthy came up with Schumer and agreed to with Biden. So we, we didn't get a fight. Instead, he just signed off. Matter of fact, Representative Chip Roy, a conservative from Texas, uh, has come out and said he has written up uh, a a document to uh, remove our speaker, Johnson, from uh, from his position. So first of all, if we were to get rid of Mike Johnson, like they got rid of McCarthy, it's a clown show. It's a clown show. The car pulls up and all the Republican clowns come piling out of it. This is the problem we have. When we finally get a position of leadership, we get everybody jerking around. We get rhinos fighting the conservatives. We got everybody inter-arguing. Nobody gets along. They can't come up with anything, and they have no guts to do what they should be doing. This is the problem. And this is already, you can see it filtering out that uh, this is a do-nothing Congress. This is a Congress that's uh, unprepared. The leadership is not right. How are we, we we have less than a year now till the elections and the new Congress. Right. And you got to say, you got to figure that the uninformed voters out there see this. They get most of their news from the mainstream media, from CNN, MSNBC and all these other left wing outlets who are just portraying Mike Johnson and the Republican Congress uh, as buffoons, that they can't get their act together. They don't know what they're doing and they're they're not doing anything, no legislation, nothing to help the American people. And people are going to buy that. They're going to buy into that. And we could certainly lose the House and go right back to it. Now, at this day and age, how anybody could vote for our friends on the left, I have no idea. You've seen what they do now when they have control, when they have power. Uh, look at the world you're living in. How much is your chopped meat? How much is a glass of milk? How much is anything that you need? You want to buy a house? Look at those interest rates. They've added thousands of dollars to the payments just to buy a house that you could have paid thousands of dollars a month less for a few years ago. But they're, they're still uh, out there. So one of the things I look at is, you know, Biden is down to Trump, uh, you know, uh, by 15 points, 12 points, 9 points. It looks like it's going to be a Trump runaway. The reality is people are unhappy with Joe Biden for real reasons. Uh, he's destroyed the economy. He's destroyed our border. He's destroyed our position in the world. We are weak. He acts uh, as a man of his age and mental deficits does. And the world sees this, and we are in a very, very bad place. There's no doubt about it. 
But when it comes to election day, people are going to walk in and they're all going to come home. And it's going to be a 50-50 election again, won by a couple of million votes. And it certainly could go back to the Democrats, no doubt. They could they could win and and uh, become the people who take over the government again. You know, we could have another four years of uh, Biden and then Kamala Harris and whoever else they, they have in place there. So we look and we see Chip Roy says he's, he's not opposed to going after the speaker because of this deal. Well, where, where are the Republicans standing up to fight? Where can I, where can I be proud of, look at our Republican party, look at them fighting. They're standing up, they're going after people. They're not doing anything like our friends on the left do when they're in control, right? They accuse people. Now, granted, they do have the media to echo whatever they say and, and really push it up and write stories as though what they're saying is true. We don't have that. We only have the people we have, and that's why it's so important to have the right people. But when I look at this nonsense and I say, okay, they're, they're going to push now maybe. The, I guess he's trying to scare him to do conservative things. I don't know, but he made the deal. So let's, let's look at this. Why would you make a deal that is basically what your predecessor made a deal and got thrown out of the, his office for? Well, the only thing I could think of, because it is an election year, and it looks like this, this budget will hold throughout the whole year, that the budget won't come up. Uh, again until October when they start planning on it and then there there won't be this whole oh the Republicans are going to shut down the government see what they're going to do to you if you will let them and put in power so maybe maybe that's the only thing hey give them give them the money because how many people really pay attention 1.59 billion dollars uh 1.59 trillion dollars sorry trillion with a t uh for discretionary spending for programs and this and that does the average person even care about that? I mean, people talk about too much spending, too much spending, but do they really have any concept what that really means? Or are they just glad, well, the government's funded, we don't have to hear about that. We don't have to hear the the, uh, the lines, the cutting, you know, well, the Republicans are going to shut it down. They hate you. They don't want to give you your money. It's going to be the holidays again, right? That's the only thing I can think of that maybe why he would give into that. But why he wasn't out on the steps of the Congress saying, listen, this is what we're doing because our friends on the left will lie about this. And therefore, we're going to uh, do this budget so that the American people's uh, expectations of government is not shut down for the next year. And now we can concentrate on fixing the problems. Well, where are we fixing the problems? We're going to go after Mayorkas. He's the worst ho homeland security director ever. The borders are wide. Well, then do it already, damn it. Impeach him. Do the, do the documents of impeachment, call him in, and start it. People want to see some action. That border is absolutely out of control. We probably have lost control of, of it. Uh, it's going to be hard to get it back. What, what's anyone going to do? Uh, Donald Trump says if he's the president, uh, if he wins election, he will deport all these people. How are you actually going to do that? How you, you, you imagine what the hue and cry will be across this liberal land that we now are if he decides he's going to round up these people, put them on planes and buses, and send them back south of the border? How is that actually going to happen? It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Uh, DeSantis said the same thing. I would, I would get them all and, and get them out of here. They don't belong here. And the media, the shrieking, the rioting, the, it, it would be crazy and then what do you do people start rioting again like 2020 do you let them burn destroy kill 
or do you, you know, when they're you know, mostly, mostly peaceful, do you let them do all that? Or do you go in with a National Guard and you shut it down? You drag people away and arrest them for the crimes they're committing, not for protesting. You can protest all you want. But when it becomes violent, when they start damaging property, destroying things, blocking traffic, hurting people, yeah, then you, you, you say you can't do that. Protest all you want, but you can't do those criminal things. And if they do, do you think they're, are they really going to do it? Are they going to send in the National Guard to go dragging away these people into what? Uh, arrest them, handcuff them, put them on buses? Into, do, do you think that that's possible? Do you think that's absolutely what they're going to do? No, it's, gonna, it's a nightmare and it's already lost. That is just um, the reality of several millions of people who walked across the border and have been let go into the country. We don't know who they are. They, have, they don't have identification. They don't have any records. They haven't been screened for health. We're seeing health issues pop up across the country that we haven't had for decades. Tuberculosis is coming back and measles is coming back. All these diseases we cleared out in America uh, by a proper healthcare program. Other people that are coming here didn't come from countries where they did that. So we're, we're seeing these, these rise again and these diseases that will affect everyone's children. Now, while I have said a thousand and a half times, but you have to say it again because, you know, sometimes our friends on the left are a little stunad and they don't listen. They only hear what they want to hear uh, and they accuse you of things. I have said a thousand times that I understand why people would want to come here. They would want to come here because maybe they are persecuted at home. Far and few between, but they could be persecuted at home. Or number two, as most of them have said when they've been asked along the trail and coming here, they're coming here because Biden invited them and they're coming for a better financial life. They're coming to get here because they're going to have a better chance at work, a better chance at a better lifestyle. America has all the things that they want that they don't have in their home countries and they want to come here for a better life. You can't blame them for that. Unfortunately, we can't just have an open door policy and let everybody come piling in, which is what has happened. So aside from the uh, difficulty of having several millions of people who have uh, limited skills, limited education, limited ability to add anything to our economy, uh, they're going to come in and they have to be taken care of. They all need health care. They need schooling for children. They need a place to live. They need ev everything that you need in life, housing, everything. And that has to come from the taxpayers, right? Uh, because unfortunately, many of them are impoverished. And that's why they're coming here for a better life. It makes sense. It's just we can't allow it. But unfortunately, it's been allowed. And it's, I think that argument is over. What you're going to hear next very clearly uh, from our friends on the left, because a lot of these people are getting appearance tickets to come to their court hearing to see whether or not their asylum is legitimate. And it's out to 2030. It's seven years from now. Right? So they're going to live here for seven years, raise their children, have babies, uh, live their lives. And then in seven years, they're going to get a court ticket to say, well, listen, you're actually, you weren't persecuted or we have no idea whether you were. We have no records of anything. You have to go home. Nobody's going to send them home. What you're going to hear is a hue and cry from our friends on the left. They've been living here for seven years. They deserve to be citizens. They deserve to vote. And that's the whole reason for doing this. How can the whole world see our border and the tragedy of what's happening to people who are being uh, trafficked into this country by the cartels who are making millions and millions of dollars 
off the backs of these poor people uh, to get them into this country. Uh, do you think that after seven years, they're going to be like, well, I guess you, you're true. You didn't have a, a good case. You have to go home. Do you think that that's going to be allowed to happen? It's over. These, these people that are here are going, to be, are going to be staying here. And the whole idea from our friends on the left is to get them in, make them citizens, and they will vote for them. Now, if we look at our elections, our presidential election, usually the election, the, the overall vote, you know, the total vote, uh, the person that wins has to win the Electoral College, right? 270 uh, votes. But when we look at the, uh, the popular vote, it usually drags those couple of states over the line for whichever candidate uh, by about 5 million votes in total. That's usually the difference. Well, if you bring in 8 or 10 or 12 million people that are going to vote uh, a particular way because they got all kinds of benefits, they were allowed to come in and stay, they didn't have to do anything, they have to get in line, they didn't have to follow the process, they just walked across the, the uh, border, they were given everything they needed. The whole plan, I think, of our friends on the left has been very clear from the very beginning to do this, not for humanitarian reasons, but because they're going to have 8 million people, of which most of them would probably vote for our friends on the left. And that would empower them for all time, right? Because you would never get past that number. That's their idea. Uh, bring in a population that will vote for liberal ideas and let them stay, let them have benefits, and that's who they're going to vote for. And people who have said this all along, no, that's not the reason. Oh, that's such a skeptical kind of a thought. That's such a, a, a terrible thought. That's they're because these people, they, we have a, a broken system. Therefore, we have to let just everybody in. Well, isn't that a broken system as well? We don't have a system now. We just They just walk across the border, so here I am. You get to stay. Right? So this is... This is a mess. Our country is a mess. And I think the, the fact that we lost the border because we lost that election, the elections have consequences. And what we are seeing now is the beginning of those consequences. Uh, several places in our country, uh, New York and I think Illinois and a couple other states have decided that they're going to allow um, non-citizens to vote in municipal elections. So they're going to let them vote on mayor. They're going to let them vote on town council, dog catcher, all these things that they can vote on. But they don't, they're, they're not citizens. See, they're not, they're not citizens. It doesn't matter who they are or where they're from. They're not citizens. If you go on a vacation to Italy and you stay there for three months, do you think you're going to be allowed to, uh, to vote? Listen, we'd like your vote in the Rome uh, municipal elections. Absolutely not. That's crazy. Nobody would do that. But that you see, that opens the door to saying, well, they've been living here for five or six or seven years. They have roots in the community now. They deserve to have a say in their community. And therefore, we're going to legalize everyone and then give everyone the vote. This has been as clear as any plot, plan, conspiracy, whatever you want to call it, from day one of the Biden administration to open the gates and just let everybody in. Because they're running out of a population that wants to live under socialism. People are, are really don't like it. Uh, and the people on the left who say they like it, they've ever, never actually lived under it. Uh, and they know that once they voted in, what, what's that saying? Uh, you, can, you can vote your way into socialism. You have to shoot your way out, right? Because uh, once they take over, they change the rules, the laws. Once they have control of everything, eh, we'll change the Constitution. They'll have enough votes to do it, to open the Constitution and change the Constitution. And that is really one of the uh, 
the ultimate goal here to change America, to, trans- tr- uh, to fundamentally transform it from what it was into their socialist uh, utopia, which we all know is not going to work. Look at what happened. We brought in Biden. We had a Democrat Congress and Democrat Senate, or at least they had enough control to, to vote on whatever they wanted. They had 50-50 and, and the vice president is the other vote. And look at the cost of everything. Look at our military is falling apart. People don't want to be a part of it anymore because it's been socialized and it's been, uh, you know, uh, uh, woked. Uh, everything's woked. We look at our, our, our media is corrupted completely. Our legal system is corrupted completely. Our Department of Justice is completely corrupt. Everything about America is being corrupted because of policies of the left. And the policies are there to destroy America as it was. As President Barack Obama said, he wanted to fundamentally transform America into something else. And I have to say, uh, he's been successful. And you say to yourself, well, how are you going to stop this? And that's my point. Uh, How are we going to stop this? So in previous episodes, I have said very clearly that I think that that battle is already lost. We may stem the tide for a little bit longer, but the reality is when we see young people those under 35 years old who say socialism is better than capitalism, they will outvote us soon. Uh, we will see the end of uh, you know, what's left of the greatest generation. They're all aging out in their late 80s and 90s. They'll be gone. Uh, then we will see baby boomers are starting to age out. Uh, I'm at the, at the end of the baby boomer generation. So people my age are now in our 60s. Um, 10 more years, 15 years, 75, most of us will be gone. And then you'll have behind us, you'll have the millennials, Gen Z, Gen Y. And since most of them believe socialism is better, they're going to push for that. And my grandchildren will live in a world totally different than what I grew up in. And I'm sad for that. I'm sad for that because I can't save them from it. I can't protect them. I can't help them. Uh, I can't do any of that. Now, is, is that a pessimistic point of view? I think it is uh, to some degree, and I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist, but I'm looking at it saying, I see the tide. The fact that we still have people that will say uh, that there's 40% or 45% or when it comes down to the election, 50-50 will vote for Biden, liberals, socialist policy that will vote for that, will scream for that, will demand it, will go out there in, in numbers and vote for it, even not realizing the damage they're gonna do to their own lives by doing that. The fact that we have people, that many people willing to do it, tells you that we're not winning this war. We're not winning this war. I remember, you know, listening for many years, I'm a talk radio guy, and I listened to the great uh, Rush Limbaugh, and Rush would say all the time, it is a center-right country. Uh, Center-right country in general really is what it is. And then you started to see, well, maybe not so much, Rush. We're seeing people voting for things, voting for politicians, voting for policies, for things that are not center-right. They're not even center. They are left and radical left. Uh, And you you start to see that, and that's where realism comes in. I'm certainly not pessimistic. I'm, I'm saddened by what's happening to our country and where it's going. But when I look at this, I say, how can this be stopped? Well, we need strong politicians. So in our Democrat friends, they have strong politicians, they have radicals who are running things now, uh, but they have a united voice. 
They go at things with a united voice. Our friends on the right, our Republican friends, they are splintered in 52 different factions. Mostly you have, you have rhinos who are really Democrats in a, in a suit because they're in a community where uh, more people are maybe a little more conservative, so therefore they have to espouse those kind of things. Every two years and four years or six years, they tell us they're going to be so conservative. And then they get there and then, then they're not. Then they back down and they, they vote with the liberals and we get the world we get. This is the world you get in a liberal world. So when I look at that and I say, do you like paying six and a half, seven percent interest rates on your mortgage? And that's probably going to go up. Do you like that home values eventually will take a turn because people are slowing down what they're buying because they can't afford it? Uh, do you like the cost of food, cost of milk, cost of fuel? All of these kind of things. Do you like where we are now, our weakness in the world? Well, if you do, if you like all those things, you think that's good, that's, you know, where we should be. Well, then you're part of the problem. It's plain as that. Um, it's If that's the world you want, you know, I don't know why. I don't know why you would want that for your family and for your children. Uh, but if that's who you are and you're sitting out there going, yeah, I think it's okay. Gas should be $4. Because then we'll stop using gas. Yeah, well, uh, fossil fuels are the, um, they are the mother's milk of our economy of energy, of making things go. And without it, uh, we see what's happening. You see electric cars. Who was it? Fox News just did a, uh, a pretty good uh, expose. They, they bought a, an electric car. And they were going to drive 800 miles from Chicago to New York City. And I don't have the exact statistics here, but this is the gist. This is the paraphrase of the story. Normally, I think they said that's like a 14-hour drive, right? Drive 800 miles from... Chicago to New York. Well, it was like a 19-hour drive because they had to keep pulling over, charge the car, uh, get the car back up to speed and going. Right, so you lose five, six hours. Ah, no big deal. You didn't burn any fuel. Well, you know that they had the stops ahead of time pre-planned. They weren't going to wait in line with everyone else who wanted to charge their car. They knew they were coming. It was a, it was a news thing. So they pulled in, charged the car. So that was the optimum. But the reality is these cars are not perfect. And they're too expensive. We're not ready for them yet. I'm not opposed to electric cars. I think that's great when we have a battery that can run for a thousand miles, you know, uh, on a single charge overnight. Uh, what we've seen in the past is these batteries. Have you ever seen the, the things they show you on social media? Somebody's electric car had a battery problem. They went in to replace it with $16,000. So when you take your car in, and you have to get some work done and it's 500 bucks and you choke on $500 because, you know, you don't have $500 laying around, but you have to have your car. Uh, imagine if you had your battery went bad and you had to pay $16,000 for a new battery. Well, that's that's what the world is about. A charging station in your home. Sure. If you're building a new home, you can put in the extra ten or 15000 for a charging station in your garage to charge your electric car. But how about you have to retrofit your house? Do you got 15000 to put in a charging station so you can drive two or 300 miles? That was the other thing the show said. They had the, the trip uh, told you that you'd get 300 miles on a charge. And they were getting 225. They weren't getting 300. They were getting 225. Uh, so you have to stop more often. Uh, you know, 220, that's every three and a half, four hours. Right? You got to pull over it, stop for an hour or two, charge your car, and then it makes your trips longer. It's not... We're not prepared for it yet. Wind and solar, I think, is excellent. Wind and solar is excellent. 
but it, it's not the complete answer, right? On a cloudy day, you can't have solar power heating your house and, and doing the things you needed to do. I don't see any airplanes running with an extra uh, windmill on the roof of the airplane flying you at 600 miles an hour at, at seven miles up. So anyway, uh, you see, I'm getting off. I'm getting off on a tangent here. Uh, all of these things have really brought us to, you know, we, we, we've been at the crossroad for a very long time. I think we've crossed over. I think some of my articles had said that. And, and again, uh, I'm not being pessimistic. I'm being realistic and trying to look where we are. Right? It doesn't do us any good to lament and gnash our teeth and, 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 and you know, wring our hands. We have to understand where we are and where we're going and what it's going to mean for you. So in the, in the coming months as we move through this election cycle, we have lots of choices to make. You know, we can try and convince our family and friends who might be on the left that sure, it's, it's you know, if you stay on the left, you get to kill your babies. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, that's, that seems to be one of their biggest benefits that they would do this is because they want to be able to do that. And that's, hey, like I've said, you know, people have to make those choices between them and their God. I would wish they would value the baby's life and look after the baby. And it's a baby after all. It's not a, it's not a disease. It's a baby. But that seems to be what a lot of our friends on the left, that's their biggest concern. And they're going to vote that way. And everyone else be damned. Uh, send us down the highway that that leads us to you know, to liberalism. That's because that's one of their policies. But that seems to be one of the most powerful things that they have to run on uh, is the, the abortion issue. And the Republicans are dancing around it, trying to trying to maintain their Republicanism and their position that life is important and we should value life and protect life. But people don't really like it. So you're starting to see a lot of people getting wishy-washy. Now, if that is the issue that the whole country is going to determine whether we stay traditional America or we become socialized America, whether or not we can, you know, kill babies at will uh, in the womb or shortly thereafter, as they would do in some places. If that's the defining topic, then I don't know how else we deal with that. If we stand on our principle and say, no, we have to protect the babies, well, then we're not going to be in power and the babies are not going to be saved. So that's where you see somebody like Nikki Haley trying to dance around the issue a little bit. You see a lot of our politicians now trying to find wiggle room in the argument because, yeah, it was great to keep everybody on the right um, energized by fighting to protect the babies. But once the court overturned Roe versus Wade and said it goes to the states now, boy, now they have to actually deal with it state by state, district by district. And a lot of them are very, very uh, nervous. They don't know what to do because it is really a very, very powerful um, topic. I mean, people are voting based on whether or not they can keep abortion in their community. And that is unfortunate uh, for the babies, first of all, uh, for us as human beings, I think. I think in the, in the eyes of, wow, you got a train or something going by, in the eyes of God, so we'll be back in a few minutes to continue our conversation. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. 
get heart healthy, go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Clean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD, Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. All right, everybody, we're back for part two of today's get-together. Now, listen, I apologize for that noise at the end. I thought maybe it was the uh, the DOJ kicking in my door to come get me because I'm talking about them, but it was not. It's uh, just one of those things here in the studio. Uh, it just gets loud in here sometimes, so I apologize if that bothered you. Okay, so, you know, we want to stay healthy in the new year, and I talk about the Healthy Cell products all the time because I use them. Uh, I really like the Immune Boost. It has been a, a godsend for me personally. Uh, Mrs. Kathy, she takes it as well. And they also have sleep products to help you sleep through the night if you have problems with that. And then they have the Focus Factor. So if you're starting to, you know, you're starting to lose it, you don't remember, you walk into a room, why am I in this room? How come I came in this room? I don't know why I'm in this room. Take the Focus Factor and it can help you, help gather your thoughts and help you have a, a good life, right? The uh, Healthy Cell products, they're all good. They're on the network here. Go find them and use them. Okay, so when we first started our get-together today, we talked a lot about um, the, the problems in the country, what's going on and, and what can we do. So as I look over my list of things here, um, I see the high cost of everything is really a, a problem. Uh, it, is, it is something that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to say this the wrong way. I go to the food store. With a list, you know, uh, Miss Kathy gives me a list. Here's the list of things we need. And, you know, because she, she does most of the cooking. She's an awesome cook. I do breakfast and lunch pretty good. But dinner, she is amazing cook. 
uh, all kinds of things. So she'll give me the list. Here, go get this, get this chopped meat, get a steak, get a, get some pork, get some this, that, and the other thing. And I got to tell you, it's shocking, the price of food. And I say to myself, okay, well, I'm working pretty hard. I got a lot of things going on and I'm lucky. I have, uh, I have a pretty good um, ability to take care of myself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. I have a pretty good ability to take care of myself, but I wasn't always in this position. I, I, you know, had been in positions earlier in my life when this would have been absolutely devastating. It's difficult as it is now, but it would have been absolutely devastating if I, when I was younger. You know, you go in, and I'm just gonna say, uh, for for Christmas, for the Christmas holidays, on Christmas Day, we like to have a really special meal. You know, not something we do all the time but a really special meal for the family that comes back for Christmas day. You know, we, everybody goes to church and then we come home, we hang around and we make a really, really nice meal. Well, for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, that has uh, been a filet mignon. Now I learned how to tie a filet mignon from my neighbor who is a chef and Kathleen wanted to do it one time. She goes, let's try it. So we went out and bought it. And I got to tell you, a big filet mignon that fed, I don't know, seven or eight of us was probably like uh, 75 or $80. I remember that because I remember going to pick it up and like that's a lot more expensive than, you know, pieces of meat than we normally get. <clears throat> sorry, sorry about that. I have a little tickle in my throat here. Um, but I remember spending 75, 80 bucks for this, this beautiful piece of meat. It is a fantastic piece of meat. Sorry to you vegans who can't handle that, but it is fantastic. And every year we go get that. And I don't mind splurging on that for Christmas Day. So I would do that. So well, this year I went out and uh, Miss Kathy says, hey, what do you think? Do you want to do uh, prime rib maybe? You want to try something different? I said, listen, it's a busy season. We had a lot going on. Let's just stick with the, with the, you know, the, the filet mignon. We'll, we cook that up and cut it up and, and it's easy to do. You put it in the oven, it's ready in, in a half hour or so. I went out to buy it. And I got the same size I get every single year that I pay $75 for. It was $178 for the same exact piece of meat. Talk about choking. Like, I, you know, I, I see the regular price of meat has gone up. You know, chopped meat, you know, is very expensive. And hamburger and all this other stuff. Uh, bacon is all very expensive. But I had not bought a big giant piece of meat like that at that price end it, last year. It was high as well. I don't remember what it was, but it certainly wasn't $178. And I know three years ago, it wasn't $178. But that was shocking to me. And I can't imagine how people can be dealing with these prices. It's, it's not fair. And it's all because of spending, the government spending. You know, that $1.59 trillion uh, budget that they just passed is going to mean inflation is going to continue. So... Uh, I guess we have to just hunker down and hope for the best as we go forward. All right, so in the world of uh, Trump and uh, Haley and DeSantis and Ramaswamy and, and Christie and all these people who are running for the Republican nomination, I guess in my mind it comes down to uh, DeSantis and Trump. Now, that doesn't mean uh, Haley's not good. Um, she seems very, very smart. I, I kind of like her, but I think she does 
I think she does flop around a lot. And a lot of the, the, the push on her is that she's doing the bidding of her donors. I don't know. I think that's probably true because if people are going to give you a lot of money, you have to push what they want. I think any candidate would have to do that. But I just don't see her as as standing up to uh, Xi in China. I don't think, see her standing up to Putin. I'm not saying she couldn't because she does seem to be a capable, strong woman. She absolutely does. And if she was our choice, I would support her 100% over anything our friends on the left would give us. But I have to say, when I look, you know, uh, I liked Donald Trump when he first announced and I liked him for the reasons that we, we most of us have said, you know, is his personality the greatest? No, it's not. It's his, it's his policies. It's his policies. I can overlook the stupid things he says or the wacky things he says or, you know, George Bush said wacky things. Um, you know, I think unless you look at the, the great uh, Ronaldus Magnus, Ronald Reagan, who was just perfect president, uh, people say things that are goofy, out of place, wrong, awkward. And we got to remember that this guy, even though he was president, he, he was in a, wasn't a politician his whole life where he has to talk politics and, and, and play the games that they play. He self-financed, so he didn't have to worry about the donors. And, and sometimes he came off crass. He did. Sometimes he came off crass or inappropriate. But it was his policies, his willingness to fight, right? What were we talking about before? The Republicans, they don't have any fight in them. They just, they're like, they're like milk toast. They don't have no fight in them. Oh, okay, well, we want to go along and get along. We only see a few fighters, right? And they're not in positions of power. Imagine if Jim Jordan was the Speaker of the House. That's who I supported, Jim Jordan. Now, I don't know any, everything about the guy, but I know what I've seen and heard of him. And he's absolutely magnificent. But the whole caucus is not made up of conservative conservatives, made up of rhino conservatives. And they had to pick somebody. And I really hope that uh, Mike Johnson was going to be the guy that would be you know, strong. And I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I don't know his motives. But my point being is that it's 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 a weird world and how, and how we're going to vote. So when I look at our candidates, first of all, Chris Christie was the governor of New Jersey. And when he came on the scene, uh, he was brash and he was to the point. And he he came into New Jersey at a time when we were really suffering. I mean, the state was really falling apart and there was a lot of problems. And we really thought that he was going to be the guy. And so much so that he came on strong. He took on uh, all kind of unions. He did this, that, and the other thing. We, he was a big supporter of law enforcement. And we thought, okay, finally, a conservative guy who's going to come in and help New Jersey not only to survive, but to thrive. And he came in and right off the bat, you know, he went after the teachers' unions and he went after this one. And then he turned around, he went after the police union. He took away our cola. I know for people out there sniveling, saying, well, you don't deserve what you get. Well, I, I served for 30 years. I could have gotten killed any day uh, on my job uh, trying to protect the, the country. I paid into my pension. So, no, I absolutely deserve my pension. And we were promised when we signed up for this life-threatening job uh, that you would get a cost of living adjustment every year to keep up with inflation. That would help you uh, survive the rigors of a long career in law enforcement. And then when you retired, your benefit was not super high pay because other people my age were making much bigger paychecks in the private sector, but you would have a secure retirement. You would get your pension and a COLA and you would be able to live out your final days uh, without having to worry about, you know, eating cat food instead of eating regular food. And that was the deal. That was the deal we signed up for. And 
Uh, that was the agreement. I mean, I, I didn't stop my agreement, my end of the bargain. I went to work every day. I ran down alleys chasing people with knives and guns. I went into horrible situations because that was the deal I made. It was, that was my calling, right, law enforcement. But Christie came in and he took away the colas. We can't afford it. We're going to take it away. And that was very, very difficult. The police had supported him. And then all of a sudden he, he, he turned into this guy that yeah, he, he's the guy you see the, the meme that they have of him sitting on the beach, you know, when the old beaches were closed. Nope, nobody can go on the beach. This is they can't go on the beach. But there's him and his family sitting on the beach. You know, then there was the whole traffic thing. You know, did he order that to, you know, block the traffic? To te Was he being a politician and going to use his power to hurt somebody who went against him? I don't know. It was tried and then people were relieved of their criminal out of it. So I, I don't know. But all I know is that he went from being probably one of the most popular people that everybody was saying at the time, this guy should be president. This Chris Christie should be the president of the United States. This guy would take no, no guff from anybody. He would do the right thing. That's what everybody thought here. You know, we really thought this guy was going to be something uh, in, the, in the line of Reagan. And then he turned out to not be that. And it was very disappointing. And he ended up leaving the state of New Jersey, I think with like a 32% overall rating uh, of support that people thought eh, they didn't like him. He didn't, he, he left a bad taste in everybody's mouth after he left. And then he ran for president the first time. And you couldn't get over the fact that I remember his campaigns and how he was going to be great in this. And then he turned out not to be, and he's doing it again now. So I look at Chris Christie and I say, here's a guy that I had supported that I wanted to support, and he disappointed me and, and almost everybody I know in the state, left and right side of the aisle. And now he's out there running for president. But is he really running for president? What is, what is his plan to uh, deal with the border? What is his plan to deal with taxes and inflation and China and Russia and uh, everything else that's going on in our, in our time right now? What is he, where, where are his plans? Where is he coming out saying what he's going to do? He's not really doing any of that. What he's saying is that it can't be Donald Trump. Trump is bad. Trump is bad. You can't have Trump. That's all he's doing. He's a spoiler. And uh, I guess some people who don't know his history or haven't lived under his rule, uh, he sounds good. He sounds brash, you know, and that's what people want. They want a fighter. They want a fighter. And he sounds like that. So he's got a little bit of support, very little, but he's got a little bit of support because people, you, you can get fooled. He, he speaks very well. He speaks powerfully, but we all know what he ended up doing. So he's, he's not a contender for me. I, I just don't see it. And it's a shame because I really wanted him to be great. I mean, I thought he had a great opportunity. All right, and then we have um, Nikki Haley. All right. Like I said, I think she's a strong, powerful, smart woman. I think she'd probably be a fine president. Would she be a defining president? Would she be a Ronald Reagan? Would she be like that? I don't think she would. Uh, I just don't feel it. Um, you know, she's trying to use what she has to, to make her point. And she said the other day, if I'm a good wife, I'll be a good mother. If I'm a good wife and a good mother, I'll be a good governor. If I'm a good wife and a mother and a good governor, I'll be a good president. And it sounds a little, I don't know. I don't know what that sounds like, but... It's coming from, from her. I think it's coming from her heart, and I think she means it. And I, and I get what she's saying. If she's good at all these other major life tasks that require your commitment, require your heart, require your sacrifice, being a wife and a mother, absolutely does. Being the governor. She was a good governor. 
right? She did a good job as governor, and therefore she'd do a good job as president. And like I said, if she was the if she was the candidate, I would support her wholeheartedly. But if I still have choices, I would not support her as my first choice. So she'd be at Rivek. Uh, I can't say the guy's name. Washashwami. I can't say it wrong. I can't say it right, and I don't mean to not say it cor- correctly. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. There you go. I I like him because again he's brash and he comes out and he says what's on his mind. He's young. He's energetic, and right now we don't have that. We have old and decrepit, and shuffling and unable to do sentences. President Biden. And when you see a, a, a Ravik Rashwami, see, I go from one minute to the next. I can't pronounce the poor guy's name. I think he's good. I think he has. I think he's too young. I think his fire is great. I think he has a place in government, um, and maybe one day president. Um, I think he has the the ability to to probably organize and manage and lead. Uh, he showed great strength building his company into a billionaire as a young man. That, that that does that's not an easy thing to do. Believe me, I've been trying. It's not an easy thing to do, and I'm a smart guy. All right. Rivek Ramaswamy. So I, I kind of like him, but I, I can't say he would be my first choice. Uh, again, if any of the Republicans were the nominee, I would support them wholeheartedly. It's picking the one, like this is the choice we have now. Who are we going to pick? Uh, if Who would be our choice? And then we have to see who ends up winning. You know, that's how it goes. Everybody gets a vote and then you, you go from there. But uh, he would not be, not, not be mine. Ron DeSantis. I have to say, I like Ron DeSantis a lot, and it's causing me a conundrum, especially after his most recent town hall that he had. I think he did. I think it was Fox News. He did a town hall, and he he does answer questions. He doesn't duck them. He doesn't double talk them. He doesn't obfuscate the questions. He answers the question. Isn't that refreshing in a politician? Uh, listen, Mr. Candidate, uh, how are you going to handle taxes? Well, you got to understand that the country needs to do it. And they go on with these flowery nonsense answers instead of answering. What would you do about the border? Well, the border is a complex situation. You have to look at the give and take and you have to do it as opposed to answering. This is what I would do, right? That's what we want. We want clear talking. And I like uh, Ron DeSantis a lot. Um, so much so that... I, I'm not having second thoughts. I'm having additional thoughts. Put it that way. I like him a lot. I like what he's done to Florida. He's He has been very, very strong and conservative in Florida. And Florida is now the number one place to go, right? And though Texas and Florida, because they're run by conservatives. They have conservative things going on. Uh, so I really do like Ron DeSantis. Um, so if he was the nominee, I I would say I would not be unhappy at all. I would say, okay, I think maybe he can do that. And the reason you'll see what I want to talk about when I get to that. So Ron DeSantis, good. Donald Trump, I think there's a bunch of components that lead me to want to support Donald Trump. First of all, I've seen him do it before, and he did a very good job. Um, Does he have a lot of baggage? Yes, he does. Is the media going to come after him? Yes, they are. Are the courts going to come after him? Yes, they are. Is it going to be a nonstop uh, cacophony of nonsense and lies and more things about him uh, going forward? Yes, of course there are. They're still doing it. All these cases that they have against him are all, uh, sure, maybe you can can twist anything into a charge. 
in law enforcement, we have a saying, if you follow somebody around long enough, you'll find them doing something wrong. But isn't that a police state? Is that what we really want? You know, just because you follow somebody around, you can find something or twist it. You can twist the law so that it fits the situation like they're doing to Donald Trump. So I think there's a couple of components here. The first component is, number one, I know he did a good job. So therefore, I believe he will do a good job if he comes back to the office. Do I believe of all the candidates that if he got in for a second term, he would absolutely wield the power of the presidency to try and destroy these negatives? He would try and clean out the Department of Justice so that we can all count on it. So there'd be one tier of justice, not a two tier system of justice. Would he go after the liars and the, the, uh, the people who make things up and the people who have skated out from under when everyone else has to pay penalties? I think he absolutely would do that. And that is very, very appealing to many of us who have sat here and watched our system fall apart, watch injustice, watch liars uh, move through, watch the press lie, watch the politicians lie. And I think if Trump were reelected, that would be something he would do. He would go after them legally, right? All these people, oh, he would, he would round people up and he would do this and do that. That's nonsense. But as the head of the executive branch of which the Department of Justice comes on, under, he has every right to tell the, uh, the attorney general, I want you to investigate this. Not to say go lock them up because I say so. That would be wrong. What he has a right to say is, boy, there's a lot of smoke here. It looks like there was criminality. I want people on this and I want investigated as strong as possible and find out, is there truth to this or not? And if there are, I want you to charge people criminally. Uh, we want to clean out the, the viper's nest of all of these agencies so that Americans can be proud and sure of their agencies that are there for law and order and to protect us and protect our rights. So there's multiple reasons that I still like Donald Trump. Now, is he going to say things? Is he going to make comments that are going to make people cringe? Yes, because he, he's very brash. He just comes out and says things off the cuff sometimes. And that's uncomfortable. But I, will he do a good job? There's no doubt about it. He would turn this country around. We would be energy independent again by the end of his four years. Uh, uh, Putin would be backing off. She uh, and China would be backing off. There would be uh, a peace in the Middle East, no doubt about it. Uh, all of these things. And you say, well, Joe, how do you know that? Because I've seen him do it. That's why, you know, if you're out there sitting saying hey, he was nothing, he did a great job and you can't take that away from him. And that's what people want to do. Take it away from him. And I, and I don't. And that's why I like him. So I would support Donald Trump for those reasons um, to have him be the president again. Now, here's where the conundrum comes in that I was talking about. And I think many people are feeling this. Because I've, I've talked to lots of people that I know supported Trump the first time, want to support him this time, uh, feel the same things that I just expressed. But they're also saying, you know what? There is this exhaustion with the left and how they're going to behave and the media and the constant lies they're going to come up with. You know, they lie. How many times do they lie about this guy? They, they impeached him twice on nonsense that, that ripped our country apart. They had an investigation uh, about a hoax that Hillary Clinton was responsible for and the Democrats, this whole Russia thing, they made it all up. And then they all knew they made it up and they went after him anyway, right? You can expect that that's gonna happen again 
And everybody knows that. And then you're going to come up with new stuff. These lawsuits, these these criminal charges that are trumped up to twist RICO statutes that are made for uh, corrupt organizations like the mafia. They're trying to use that against Trump because he, he made some phone calls. And it's just, that's exhausting. So I think, and I'm being honest, I think when I, I look at it, I say, I listened to Ron DeSantis the other night on his town hall, and I, I liked everything he said. I liked the way he said it. Um, you know, we, if we, if we want to go after theatrics, does he have a really deep, powerful voice? Does he stand there and he looks intimidating like a Ronald Reagan? No, he doesn't. You know, he's got his, his voice is it's like mine. It's it's not it's not he's not a baritone. Right. He's got a regular guy's voice. Uh, do I wish that? But that's that's nonsense. That's like saying, well, Trump says stupid things so he shouldn't be president. That's ancillary to me. Well, he wears lifts in his shoes so he can be. I could care less if he stood on a ladder every day. How's his policies going to be? And I like him. So the conundrum that I have that I think a lot of people have is that, well, we may want to support Trump. 100%. The idea of the baggage and the exhaustion and how they're how they're, even the Republicans, you know, these rhinos that we have to deal with, how they're going to sabotage him again, knowing that, oh, he's a lame duck. We don't have to do anything with him. They're, and they're, and they're going to go back to being weak, weak, weak people that we know that they are. And it's going to be very difficult. Looking at the difference between him and Ron DeSantis, do I think he would, DeSantis would do many of the same things Trump will do? I do. Do I think his policies will be very, very similar to Trump? Yes, I do. Do I think he will be very, very strong against our enemies? I do. Uh, I think he'll be very much Trump-ish without the baggage. And that's what it comes down to. Uh, plus, he could be there for eight years, so he could really make a big difference. And this is what the thoughts I'm starting to have. Now, for anybody out there that's super Trump and you're going, Lieutenant Joe, how could you do that? How could you bail out on Trump? Don't don't think like that. I'm not bailing out on Donald Trump. I'm simply saying he's my number one choice. So I'm not bailing out on him. I'm simply saying when I look at the two and I, and I know people this is going on because I'm having these conversations with my friends. Like I said, people I know that are big Trump supporters they like DeSantis. You know, Trump feels DeSantis was un disloyal to him because he didn't just stand up and be a, a great supporter. And Nikki Haley said she wouldn't run, and then she did. So I, I get it, man. Trump is attacked on every single side by all of these people. But do I want to deal with the baggage for another four years? If no one else could do the kind of things that Donald Trump would do as president in a second term. If there was, if none of the other candidates, which I went through them all and what I think, I don't think any of them will do the things that Trump will do, except for Ron DeSantis. He's the only one, I think, who will do things that Trump would do without all the baggage. And that's my conundrum. That's the spot I find myself in. Um, I, 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 also look at it and say, well, this is the chance for Trump to do. Let's support him because he did good by us. He did good by America. And Ron DeSantis can run in four years. And in four years, he will probably be uh, the number one guy. Like day after the election is over, Ron DeSantis, if he's not the, the nominee, will immediately become the heir apparent uh, to Donald Trump uh, and the Republican Party, I think. Now, that doesn't mean other people won't pop up. There's lots of strong people. I like Ted Cruz. 
I think Ted Cruz would be an excellent president. Uh, very articulate, very smart man, very conservative, lives by what he says. I, I love Ted Cruz. I think he'd be fantastic. Um, but will he run? I don't, I don't know who's going to run in four years. Right now, I have this in front of my, my plate now. These are my options right now. So that's my conundrum. I don't know where you stand. Uh, I'm trying to work my way through it because I want to make sure that as this season starts and we get going, that I, I think it through, I pick and make my choice, and then I stand firm on my choice. Of course, you have to be like situationally aware. If it turned out, you know, uh, that whatever candidate you choose turns out has some horrible scandal and it comes out and it's really true, then you got to deal with it. But for the most part, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Who am I going to support? How am I going to support them? Uh, and, and what can I do to be comfortable with my choice. So I do like Ron DeSantis. I do like Donald Trump. I think either one of them, whoever ends up in, would be the best choice for America. Uh, but I'm also leaning towards Donald Trump because he deserves the support uh, of Republicans, patriots, all Americans who lived uh, during his presidency and enjoyed the good economy, the strong America, uh, the the independence of fuel that we had here to take care of ourselves, all of the good things that were rocking and rolling when Donald Trump was president. So that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at. And I really want to talk about that a little bit today because I think it's important. Now, a new feature we have here at America Out Loud, you can go on the website, all right? Uh, I know you're listening here today, but you can go on the website and there's a place that you can make comments and say things to me that I can read about. So I suggest you go on there. AmericaOutloud.news is what it is now. Go there, take a look, send me some comments. Tell me what you think. Am I making any sense to you? Am I bringing anything to the table here for us to talk about, or am I just going on and on and on? Uh, I think I'm trying to make cogent arguments and think things through clearly, and I appreciate everybody being out there. So listen, what do I say all the time? Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Do the right thing. Take care of your family, love your country, love your God, and let's look out for each other. We're one nation. We should all be together. All right? So until we see each other again, 